Welcome back to SNES Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk with staff, with pupils and with parents to understand more about life at the school. Each episode I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher of the school, and together we speak to a guest, so it's a bit of a three-way conversation. Now in this episode we have two guests with us. Liz Simmons and Steve Matheson have a long history with SNES Book Prep and we're going to find out more from them in just a moment. But first of all, Ralph, hello, how are you? I, <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I'm much better. Just before this recording, I was having some terrible technical issues with my mic and uh, it was not sitting well with me. But now I think the mic is working and so I am a very happy chappy. It's all good. You're coming through loud and clear, so that's perfect. <laughs> Liz and Steve, tell us a little bit about who they are and what their connection is with the school. So Liz and Steve, technically they are on the board of directors that owns the school. So the school was initially started by a lady i think called mrs hanger we'll find out i'm sure we'll find out from from them a bit later and it worked its way into the matheson family back in the i'm going to say the 1950s i'm not entirely sure and since then the matheson family have have sort of run and cared for the business because i think back then your your only options in terms of running a school would either be as a charity or as a business those are probably you know, the sort of idea of a not-for-profit organisation didn't exist. So they, they had to incorporate the organisation in some way. So that's what they did. But uh, yeah, so that's so they, they are essentially the children of Mrs. Matheson, who was one of the sort of founding heads of the school, for want of a better term. Although I'm, it's not strictly accurate, but I think that's as simplistic way as I can put it. Okay, all right. Well, Liz and Steve, they're both together at Steve's house right now. So we're going to jump across and go and speak to them in their living room at home. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from them firsthand some of the history of the school. Should we jump across there now, Ralph? Sounds like a great idea, Simon. Welcome, Steve and Liz. How are you both today? Yes, we're fine, thank you. It's been great for me because um, I've come up to Steve's and Hillary and I haven't seen their house for a long time. The garden's absolutely beautiful. We came through the forest, so I've had a really good adventure, as Alex would call it. That's very good. Steve, it's good to hear that your garden's looking good as well there. Tell me whereabouts in the in the country you're living then, Steve? Well, we're on the edge of the Hampshire border, actually in Wiltshire, um, about 100 yards or so. We're very close to Hampshire and we're between Salisbury and Romsey. Okay, well, it's a nice part of the world and, uh, and it's great to be talking to you both today. So thank you both for being here. I wonder if we could start at the beginning. Could you just give us a short history of the school and how the family became involved with it? Well, if I start by saying that as far as we're aware, the school started in the 1940s, probably directly after the war, and it was run then by a lady called Miss Hanger. And um, we never met, I never met Miss Hanger, and I don't think Mother did either. But she, um, she must have started the school. There's no record that we have of her. And uh, she had a, a teacher working for her called Mrs Leary. And she was uh, approached one day by Miss Hanger, who was about to retire, and said to Mrs Leary, would you be happy to take the school on? And Mrs Leary lived in Broadwalk, quite near to us. We lived in Malford Grove. And uh, Mrs Leary sadly had lost her husband. And she came to my dad and said, I'm thinking of buying the school. Um, would you stand by me for any problems if they came up? Uh, which my father agreed to. She was a friend of the family. 
And so as time went on, Mrs. Leary bought the school and she became the headmistress. And mother, being a qualified teacher, was asked by Mrs. Leary to go and teach at the school as well. So that's really how we we began. And as time went on, Mrs. Leary got to retirement and she handed over the running of the school to mother. And so that was where we, we, we got involved. And in about the 1950s, early 1950s, uh, that was when Mrs. Leary bought, bought the school through. I can remember it because I just started going to senior school. And in those days, the upstairs of the school was taken up by the caretaker. He had a flat up there. And occasionally, as a youngster, I used to sit with him and watch, watch him peeling the potatoes for the following day lunch. And in those days, quite strangely, before Mrs. Leary took over, really, I think, they took uh, boys up to the age of 11 and girls were allowed to stay till they went to work. So that was interesting and unusual. As far as the building was concerned, and we'll come to that no doubt later, the early years was housed in a, a wooden building, which now is a, a brick a brick building, but it, in those days it was a, in, a, in a wooden building. So Mrs. Leary retired and mother became head, and that was when the family really got involved. Can I just come in and say what, what happened for me? Because I went to school at, um, over 60 years ago. I was aged 10. I just had a year there because I did my 11 plus. I can remember so clearly the classroom I was in was just up up at the top of the stairs, just before the caretaker's flat. And um, we, we could always smell fish. So we reckon that he probably had cats. I don't know if he did or not, but, you know, this strong smell of fish wafted down into the school. So I took my 11 plus and unfortunately... I got a place in senior school. But during this, that year, it was so interesting because things have changed so much compared with what school is like now. It was always a really happy place. And children were very, very important. Those early years, my mother always said, you know, it's so important that children had properly educated and it, it gave them such a wonderful foundation. So um, there was always this element of, the academics, but also we had great interests. And while I was there, I watched just recently um, Ralph's wonderful presentation of Midsummer Night's Dream. Is that right, Ralph? I think it was that. Yes, that was it. And that was so professionally done. But even in those days, we did have plays and things like that. And I remember I was old man time in the play that was put on while I was there. And I, I was so excited because I had a singing part. And I did actually sing it to my husband quite recently. And he said, oh, you can't possibly do that. You're completely out of tune. But I think it was all right on the day. I also, as you do now, we had lovely outings. And I remember going to the Royal Tournament and seeing Princess Margaret. And we were all so excited. And I think that's been, over the years, you know, school has always had a wonderful education for children but also it was a rounded education we did outside activities as well as um you know the expected reading writing and arithmetic i went back again after i'd finished school mummy really wanted me to be a teacher i think she probably thought i was a future headmistress but i didn't want to do teaching i'd been brought up by a teacher i wanted to do something in the medical world 
And I did leave school. Um, unfortunately, I was offered a place at St. Thomas's to do physiotherapy. By then, I promised Mrs. Leary I'd do six months at school helping. And in those days, you didn't have to have qualifications, providing you knew what you were doing. You were just thrown in the deep end. And so I was I did have a, a classroom that I was, I was responsible for, but if they were short in the kitchen, then I'd go down and help the school meals. And I can remember doing makeup for school plays and things like that. So I had those two early times. And then, of course, later on, I became a director. It'd be enough of me. Liz, it's fantastic to hear all of this and great to hear that you're involved in so many different aspects of school life. Tell me a little bit more about how it felt to be involved in multiple parts of school life. I like that sort of thing because obviously being a physio, I obviously had that ability to teach because physios do teach. So the teaching side, um, I can remember one the parents were so lovely in those days. Well, I suppose I expect they are now, Ralph. But um, I had one mother who brought me in the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And we always had um, reading. We used to read a story to the children before they left in the afternoon. So I really enjoyed reading that. But having said that, I was very keen on catering. So in actual fact, going down into the kitchens was wonderful. I mean, I really enjoyed it. And I think with a school like St. Ersbrook, you have to be a team player and help where there's a weak part. And I think that's still still applicable now because unfortunately, Ellie was off quite recently and, and people had to sort of do things that they hadn't didn't know existed. And that was the sort of situation that I was in in those days. You know, if there was a gap then they often asked me or somebody else to fill it. Liz, I'm smiling while you're talking right now because recently Ralph and I were talking about some of the staff members at Snaresbrook Prep and even today there are some people there where they tend to wear multiple hats. So I'm wondering whether this is something to do with, with, with yourself that you've kind of inadvertently passed down to, to other people in the school where, where people enjoy wearing many hats and getting involved in all different parts of what happens in school. Yes, I think when you're working in a small environment, you have to be prepared to do that. You can't have separate jobs. I mean, in big organisations, then, for instance, in the, in the hospital life, you see see different teams, different units. But with, with some, somewhere like Snaresbrook, things overlap. And you don't, you don't thrive well in that environment unless you're prepared to sort of do your best and, you know, get on and even if you're not used to it to have a go anyway. So I imagine then that that could be one of the similarities between you know life back then and life today but equally I, I imagine it was a little bit informal back then whereas now there tends to be more of a if I say a formal management structure it kind of makes it sound like it is a big enterprise which clearly it's still a prep school but to what extent do you see that change having happened and occurred over those years yes I think we've been very fortunate we started with a very family sort of background um but when my when my mother retired things did change and um Linda Chevrolet did a fantastic job uh she even trained the directors you know she said you must go away on a course 
you must do this and you must come in and sit and listen to the children. And I think as, you know, the, the only reason that SNARES has survived is because we were really prepared to go along and um, be directed, you know, change our old family ways for what was expected of um, a thriving community, which we are now. I mean, if, if we hadn't changed, if we were still laid back doing this and that, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have developed so much. But, you know, what, what we provide now is something which we're very, very proud to be able to do so. And having seen it change so much has been so exciting. So seeing these changes, uh, I'm, I'm delighted you're saying it's exciting and uh, I completely share that with you. These are changes, of course, relating to people. Tell me a little bit about the changes that you've experienced or witnessed regarding things like the buildings, the actual physical grounds. Yes, I mean, this, this has always been our big problem, space, and we were very fortunate we could buy part of the <laughs> dental practice next door, had a nice large garden, and um, it was negotiated, and we, we bought half of that and built our nice hall. And also it was required of us to, because of health and uh, safety really, to do all sorts of improvements. And as a board of um, directors, we've never said no. Well, we have been able to do it. We've, we've done it. We've replaced windows. We've done a fantastic fire escape. And we've used every inch on the site. Where it's been necessary or where we've been able, we've actually changed things. And I think the whole site, I mean, obviously, it gets tired at times. But... Um, I think we've made as much as we possibly can of the place. All sorts of little bits and normally you would never use areas that we've used. And we, we're still looking for, you know, possibilities. We, we never sort of sit back and say we can't do anything. It was great to be resourceful in all situations, but, but especially in a school situation. Steve, tell me your thoughts on this. Well, just to go back a little bit to the time when Mrs. Chivril became head, I always remember mum coming home one, one day and saying, I've just employed a really super person. And in 1982, uh, Linda Chivril took over as head. Or rather, she came in as a teacher in 1982. And then 1985, she took over as head. And that was when mother re resigned her position. And they moved, she and her husband moved to Norfolk. And, and so then we had to look at the company. And of course, by this time, we'd all all got married, three of us, because I have another sister, Jo, and the family had expanded quite a lot by then. <laughs> Hilary and I got, had got married and we'd been to Zambia for a period of time and then we came back and uh, moved into Malford Grove and our family grew up there. Our four boys all went to Snaresbrook College, as it was called in those days. Just on that, on that particular subject, father made me smile when a young man came in and knocked on the door and said, could you tell me what courses you do at Snaresbrook College? So consequently, we changed the name to Snaresbrook Prep. <laughs> Sounds like a very sensible move as well. I'd, I'd love to explore a little bit about the Christian ethos within the school. Uh, if you don't mind me asking what your Christian conviction is and how those principles underpin what the school is trying to achieve? Well, I think all of us in the family have a faith. And how do you think that plays out in the day-to-day -day life within the school, the experiences that the children might, might have through the teaching staff? I think Liz mentioned that mum always felt that children were number one, that we should make 
each child's special. And I think one of the advantages of being a small school is that every child can have an opportunity of getting involved. And so when a child leaves the school at 11, they, they will be confident and capable and, as far as we, we hope, academically with it too. And I, I suspect that part of uh, the teaching process would include helping children to understand how to be sociable in life and how to honour the right things and follow some of the Christian principles that, that, we, that we hold. Liz, I'd, I'd love to find out from yourself what you believe is so special about Snaresbrook Prep. I suppose I've always loved it because when, when your parents are completely involved, you can either love something or hate it. But because it took, I mean, I, I found it very, very exciting watching it develop. And I played a very active part. And then when I got married, my husband was an accountant and he was very useful. So in actual fact, it meant that we could both be involved. And over the years, because we lived down south, and obviously we're not on the doorstep where which Steve was, I've looked at what I've done as being a pastoral thing. I've really enjoyed being involved over the years, but I have every reason to be so. It could be quite difficult if um, it didn't, I was going to say grab your fancy, but it, it, it's, um, it's part of life, Snowsbrook. It always has been and it always will be. Just an interesting story. We were in France and we stayed at a B&B. And when we came down for breakfast in the morning, we, we sat around a table with the other people who were staying there. There were only two other couples. And we got into conversation during breakfast and one of the couples said, uh, or the, the husband of the couple said, oh, uh, where do you come from? And we said, oh, we come from South Woodford, um, from Snaresbrook area. Oh, he said, I grew up there. He said, I, I went to Snaresbrook College. To my amazement, <laughs> it was really nice. We were able to go back and, and talk about some of the old days. But he, he then went on to say, without any prompting, I really enjoyed my time at Snaresbrook. I would hope that every child would be able to say that. <laughs> but that was something that was really quite, quite amazing, really, to think we were in northern France in this B&B. And actually following on from that, and we have found over the years that it's not just one generation, but it, uh, we've had, you know, children from other parts of families or the next generation. It's a sort of thing that it's by word of mouth often that people say how lovely, what a stable background we've had. And we, we have, we've met all sorts of people whose aunt's been there or grandma's been there. or So we have got that lovely feeling behind us as well, which spurs us on or has spurred us on. Liz, tell me more about that feeling, because it must be, it must be great to see, you know, so many children joining the school, going all the way through and sort of popping out the other end. And then over the years, knowing that a great number of children have gone through the school. How does that make you feel, though? Well, it's very important, um, especially when you have your own children because you want the very best for them, don't you? You want them to have a good education and do something worthwhile. And we've been fortunate, all three of us have really achieved. And we look at Snaresbrook in the same sort of way that we want children to do their best. And it, it is a wonderful feeling that you've actually supplied something that's going to help develop children in this way and 
gives them a, a good a good future. I think from a Christian point of view, you know, you teach children to be kind to each other. This, we hope, stops bullying. We also want people to work really hard because this is another thing that helps the community so much. And when you look at all the children that have been through school and they've had the, the chance to learn all these things, and, you know, as Ralph will say, it's a thing that, um, well, this is why we have been so involved over the years. Liz, tell me something about COVID, about the pandemic and how the staff handled things at school in your experience. I actually think the way that Ralph has handled COVID has been very impressive because we're involved with one or two schools down in the South Coast and a very prominent prep school. And I would say that Ralph has actually done it almost better than they have. Very impressed with the way he handled the leavers ceremony because he spoke about each child and that was so important. And our grandson, who goes to a lovely prep school, they didn't even have a ceremony. Steve, tell me about the teaching staff within the school and and how they they responded to COVID and essentially what that teamwork element is like within school. We've already said that children come first in everything that we do, but I think our sort of interest and support for those who work at Snaresbrook has been a very important thing to us too. Some people have been there that are there now 30-odd years. Mrs Chivril was a headmistress for over 30 years, and so we're very privileged really to have a team that stay with us and put the whole of their working life into into the school. But I think it's so important that children's education is, is one of the important things. And I've always been aware that it, without a good team, you, you don't go anywhere. Yeah, what is it they say? If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, then go as part of a team. And I think it's clear to see that that's exactly what's happening at Snaresbrook. I was uh, at home one evening, of course, being quite close to the school. We lived, uh, as I said, in Malford Grove. Uh, I got a phone call from school to say, could you come quickly to school? Because one of the people who was cleaning the school locked herself in the toilet and couldn't get out. So I turned up at the school trying trying to find out what I could do to get this poor lady out of the toilet. She's already been in there something like half an hour, and we had to break the door down in the end. Those are the sort of things that you find yourself getting involved in when you're running a school. The everyday life of running a school. I love it. Well, look, Steve and Liz, we need to bring this to a close now, but I just want to say thank you both very much for being here, and thanks for talking to us about the history of the school and your personal experience of it. Thank you. Thank you. So, Ralph, we're back in your office now. That was Stephen Liz. What did you think about that? What I hope listeners will get from the interview is just the care that goes, the care towards the school and the fact that I think all the decisions that the board make are with the children's experience in mind. I think they want every child to have the same experience that their children have had, which is to sort of do well academically but to also be rounded you know human beings who are happy and healthy and who go on to sort of thrive in in whatever their future life looks like so yeah i hope i hope that comes across i think it does. in fact I'm, I'm i'm convinced that it does because you know when you when you think about the the actual nature of education and the nature of snaresbrook being a prep school you know 
for, for people to run a school like that, you need to have a, a, a care for the children, a, a real concern for the children and their well-being in, in every sense. And it's not a case of, you know, I'm thinking about the other extreme, someone like Alan Sugar running a prep school where, you know, he as an entrepreneur is, is all about the money side of things. And clearly that's not the case in a prep school. No, absolutely. I mean, it's even, I think, I don't know, I don't want to talk out of turn, but there are chains of prep schools. There are chains of academies. And I mean, there are chains of prep schools that are profit orientated, where they are having to deliver a profit to a a board and a set of investors. There are chains of academies that are run where the people at the top are from a commercial background. And I wonder whether that sense of care filters through, you know, they tend to say in organisations, you know, the people at the top, the person at the top, their attitudes, their beliefs, their values filters its way through an organisation. Whereas I think when you listen to the the rather amateur, and I mean it in its best possible sense, you know, there's a whole discussion what it means to be an amateur. You know, you could, you, I mean, you might be, in terms of your background as a photographer, you know, there were amateur photographers and there are professional photographers. That's not necessarily about the standard. Um, it's whether you do it for love or money. And hopefully, you know, there are professionals that do it for love as well. But, you know, the school started very much as an amateur organisation, as it could do back in the, the 40s and the 50s. And it has very much transformed and continues to transform into, um, you know, the professional organisation it is today that brings, you know, research to inform our practice. So, you know, and I think a great deal of credit goes to Mrs. Shiverall. You know, she spent a great deal of time as that bridge between, you know, two two epochs, if you like, you know, two very different educational environments and really changed the school in a huge way. So, yeah, and, and I think what, but what remains is that interest in the individual child and the care. You know, I always say to um, new parents, I, I talk about the, the myth of Mrs. Matheson. And I, I say it's a myth because, you know, I don't know what the fact is, but, you know, whether it's myth, you know, whether it's factual or not, it still represents what we try and do here, which is to know every child, to look out for every child, and basically just ask, you know, if you were my child, what would I want for you? You know, and to then help that child develop academically, as a person, um, morally, you know, physically, in every way we can so that they can um, thrive in their future lives. So, You mean kind of doing the right thing in the right way for the right reason? Yeah, that's it. That's, you know, you've, been list- you've clearly listened to a previous podcasts. Yes, you know, our, our school virtues are we want children to be able to do the right thing at the right time, in the right way, and for the right reasons. So, you know, that's... Uh, and to do that, you do have to, you know, you have to bring the ability to think so you need knowledge you need to know about subjects but you also need a moral compass you also need that you need to be civically minded you know empathetic empathetic a willingness to collaborate and you need and you need to actually be able to to do it you know to turn your good idea into a good action um so yeah and i think i think that is something that has always been at the heart of the school or certainly since you know mrs matheson took over his head um, and hopefully that's something that I still carry on today. Well, I think we need to bring this episode to a close now. But if you're listening to this right now and you'd like to get to know the school at an even deeper level, then don't forget to check out on social media. Just search up Snesbook Prep. But our next episode is coming out soon. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Thank you for listening to Steve and to Liz. And of course, for listening to head teacher Ralph Dalton. And we'll catch up with you in the next episode. Bye for now. Bye for now.